thank you guys for tuning in to Voice of the Fans once again. This is your man, Cam. I am joined, as always, by my man, Young Sam. How you doing, sir? Doing great. to see you here with yourself, Sam. I'm well, sir. We make up Voice of the Fans. In this podcast, week 73, January 29th, we're going to talk about the unfortunate incident, Kobe Bryant, talk about his legacy, what it means to us, fans, Los Angeles, the NBA. Also going to talk about the Super Bowl. We got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. However, it's kind of been overshadowed by the news of Kobe Bryant. However, we're going to touch on the Super Bowl, give you our prediction, talk about some prop bets, and then we're going to come back again, circle back around and talk about Kobe Bryant and how the league should pay tribute to Kobe. Thank you guys for tuning in to Las Vegas, Rise Radio, or however you're hearing us. Spotify tuned in, Apple, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Radio Public. However you're tuning in, thank you guys for tuning in to Voice of the Fans. Be sure to rate and review our podcast. We really appreciate it, and it helps us in the standings. So, guys, let's get started. Mr. Cleavon, as always, we're going to do what we do. I'm going to start off with the who wore it best. Again, it's January 29, week 73. So we go with the number 29, who wore it best. I don't think there's any question here, but I'm going to see if you try to come up with some mess. But I don't think there's no question. I could have stopped with one one name, one number. Who do you have wearing number 29 best, sir? Oh, you already know my friend. It's uh, the, the great Eric Dickerson. Man. Nobody ever wore the 29 as, as sleek and smooth as, uh, as Eric Dickerson did. And, you know, numbers that, you know, to this day have not been broken. Oh, you're exactly right. I, I'm glad you didn't try to come up with something off the wall, like a Bean O'Brien. Or like a Brett Boone. I'm glad you didn't try any of that mess. Wow. Because the only one guy wore it well well enough to say he was the best at the number 29. However, I'll throw in one satchel page in there. With his history, his lineage, he didn't wear it better, but I'll give him credit for being just as good. Also, the number 73. Who do you have wearing that number best? Oh, for me, it's got to be the big Larry Allen, you know, the uh, bench press, uh, you know, record holder at one point. Uh, just really established a nastiness on that Dallas Cowboy offensive line, and for my money, he's the best to wear number 17. Obviously, Larry Allen, the, the massive, the leader of the Dallas Cowboys. That dynasty, that front line, that was just incredible. We got to give him credit. So as we, as we mentioned earlier in the, early in the week, we had a tragic helicopter accident and aboard the helicopter was, basketball legend, NBA legend, Kobe Bryant. He was joined on the helicopter with Christina Mauser, basketball coach in Orange County, girls basketball coach, Sarah Peyton Chester, John Altabelli and his wife and his daughter, his wife Carrie and the daughter Alyssa. And then Heartbreaking. If that wasn't heartbreaking enough, Gianna Bryant, his 13-year-old daughter, they're on their way to a girls' basketball game. And obviously flying the airplane was Era Era Zorboyan. Excuse me if I got that wrong. But there was nine people in total on the airplane or the helicopter that went down on a foggy Sunday morning flying over the over the hills near the beach. It's easy to kind of see what happened there, although there's a lot of conspiracy theories that I'm not buying into. 
just knowing the area, knowing where they were flying. It was a tragic accident that they got caught up in. It's been, uh, hearts are heavy here in the city of Los Angeles and all around the Southland. Memorials going on down at Staples Center. Been a pretty tragic event. Cleveland, I know you're a Laker fan. I don't know how you're a Laker fan, but I know you're a Laker fan. How are you holding up? Uh, doing all right, Cam. Obviously, the news hit uh, really hard and uh, has caused a lot of, you know, reflection, um, not only introspectively, but also on the, you know, Kobe being Bryant. Uh, you know, it was shocking. Um, he wasn't sick. He wasn't old. So um, it's definitely hitting harder than, uh, you know, most of these tragedies we hit. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough way to go. You know, gone too soon, as as we we could put it. Was Kobe being Bryant? And if you don't know by now, fans, I'm not a Laker fan. I don't know how Kobe or how I don't know how Cleveland is a Laker fan, but I'm not a Laker fan. I've been in L.A. for over 20 years now. I went to watch the Lakers specifically to root against them. The leader of that team was always Kobe Bryant. When I got here early, I got here in 99, right at the beginning of the Kobe and Shaq dominance there. After their third championship, third straight championship, I'll say, you kind of were forced to pick a side, Kobe or Shaq, because that's what kind of happened. They they weren't playing nice in the sandbox together. And you kind of had to pick a side. I was definitely a Kobe guy. I was a number eight guy. I liked him. He wore Adidas, so that helped, it, helped out the situation. But I was definitely a Kobe over Shaq guy just because of his work ethic, how, how hard he worked, his um, mental strength off the court as well. What would be your favorite memory of Kobe Bryant, Mr. Cleveland? My favorite <clears throat> memory of Kobe Bryant would be the time that he saved me in a Buffalo Wild Wing facility rooting for the Lakers when every other person except for myself was rooting for the Sacramento Kings. Um, it was a playoff game, I believe it was starting to overtime. Sacramento scored a bucket. They went up by five with like two minutes left in the game. And had they won that game, it would have been very difficult for the Lakers to turn that series out. In 10 seconds, Kobe Bryant ran down the court, caught a corner three, cut the lead to two. Chicago and silent, and he just ran down the court like, don't want it as much as I do. And I know you don't want it as much as I do. We haven't put in a word to make it happen. And we can play this game with 400 if you want to. He just had this aura about it like, no matter what was going to happen, you're not going to get this. You just don't want it that bad. And after that, before that, I was somewhat on the fence about Kobe. Like, is he the heir apparent to a very good throw, as you well know? And I wasn't convinced, but when he hit that shot to just, like, completely change the complexity of the game in, like, 10 seconds, and just the way he ran down the court was like, no, he really, he really did bother this. And Kobe's fan ever since. So... Kobe Bryant save you when you're in a bar with a bunch of Kings fans, huh? Yeah. It was about a 300-to-1 ratio, and it was uh, pretty crazy. But uh, Kobe, you know, doing big black mamba things, you know, go to that. So that was your favorite memory. See, I, I don't have – I was looking for a, a favorite memory. I can, I got memorable moments. I don't think they're my favorite memory of Kobe. I was in the building when Gary Payton came to town 
with Sean Kemp, and they went to a double overtime game, and Kobe hit 12 three-pointers on them. I was a, I was in the building and saw that happen. Wonder why the hell George Carl didn't tell the defense to step out and protect the three-point line after three, after four, after five. Okay, George, he's hot. Step out and guard this guy at the three-point line. They let him hit twelve in the game. It was it was unbelievable. I was in the I was in the building when Paul Pierce came to town. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen. I was I wasn't rooting for the Celtics. But I didn't want the Lakers to win. So I'm kind of rooting for the Celtics in Staples Center with the, sitting, the whole section I'm sitting in is season ticket holders. So you know they weren't happy for me <laughs> rooting against the Lakers. But I kind of kind of kept it on the muzzle there because it was just, it was a wild, the finals, it was the NBA finals, it was a wild game. So I have memorable moments. Can't say that I have a favorite moment. The best moment that year where he scored eighty one. That season that dude was on a he was on a freaking roll, man. Um just being a fan of basketball, like I said, I was a number eight fan. I was a fan of the number eight before he switched to twenty four. I was a fan of that guy, just I tell you why for three reasons. After they win the first championship you know, he was young, cocky. They they find it well enough, like, okay, good for that guy. They, he came back stronger, put on 15 pounds of muscle after they won the championship, after they won the championship, and they won it the next year. That third year, he came back, and now he has a three-pointer to his game, which he didn't have before. He was a mid-range and get to the hole and, you know, cross you up, get to the hole and dunk on you. So he added that three-pointer to his game, and that kind of made him whew, unstoppable. And the, the the dedication to his craft is what I appreciated so much about Kobe Bryant, the number eight Kobe Bryant, is because he continued to improve. So those are my kind of, not a singular moment, memory, but some of the reasons I appreciated his game. Lasting memory of Kobe Bryant, my lasting memory would be this is again with the when he scored eighty one that was impressive, and the fact that they needed him to score though all those points was kind of wild because the you know he had, he kind of created a situation he wanted to be the star he wanted to be the guy the only guy on the team, and so now he had a team of uh scrubs. And he, for them to win, he needed to put on performances like that. I think that was the same year that he had, what, six or seven, eight 40-point games in a row. was remarkable. Within one of those 40-point games, he was playing the Toronto Raptors. He did this against the Toronto Raptors, but I, the first time he did it, I think it was against the Denver Nuggets, where he came down court on a fast break. The defender reached for the ball, he went around the back, and then kind of did, like, it wasn't quite a 360, a 180 dunk with his left hand. Like, that was the outside of Jordan jumping up and then switching hands mid-flight. Like, that one has, that's one of the best moves I've seen in basketball. Do you recall what the move I was talking about? Yeah, so he went around his back, and then he was on the one side of the basket. And then he came around the other side of the basket. It was crammed. It was crammed. It wasn't quite a 360, but he started on the right and ended up on the left, dunking it over dude. And dude was just still standing there because Kobe just kind of freaked it and went right around. It was so freaking incredible. Um, Like I said, outside of Jordan switching hands in the finals, that had to be one of the best moves I've seen in a game of basketball. 
Um, but he did it. He did that a couple times that year, that season. Again, that same season he scored eighty one, man. And so that's probably my lasting memory of Kobe. And how about yours? Uh, for lasting memories, I would probably have two. Um, the first one being the way he was cussing out his teammates in practice and how they kind of wilted under the pressure of the expectation, the level of expectation of what Kobe Bryant brought to a practice. And so just to see the younger generation not really embrace that moment mentality at first, certainly since then there have been some that have uh, taken on that persona. But we did the first time, it was just like, wow, last of a dying breed. And then um, having reps with both of my children's tendons, to watch somebody have the poise and presence of mind and the strength to after wrestling their Achilles tendon, hit two free throws, and then walk off the court. So are you are you comparing your 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 athletic prowess to the Kobe Bryant? <laughs> no. What I am saying is that having ruptured both of them, it, I I got piggybacks to my car both times. So to have this First of all, to be able to block out the pain, to have that type of pain tolerance threshold, to hit two free throws, and then walk off the court. Okay. Not have someone carry you, not, not uh, leaning on some people, walk off. That is beyond anything I've, I've ever seen. Okay. All right. Um. I mean, you, you probably know my answer from what I what I said earlier, but who was better, number eight or number twenty-four? They both were champions. Number eight was the three-time champion. Who was better? Uh, in my opinion, number eight was much better because they had so much more to prove, and the level of expectation hadn't been um, reached and exceeded at that point. By the time he had transformed into number twenty-four, he was a much more polished, seasoned player. And um, he was kind of, I don't want to say playing with house money because he was always chasing the children, you know, legacy. So, you know, anything less than a championship is just, you know, unsatisfactory. So I still think that it's the number eight. Just was hungrier, had more to prove. And um, without that fuel propelling him, he would not have, you know, reached the heights that, you know, he eventually got to. But the 24 was much more of a, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing when he figured it out. He had already figured it out by the time he had switched 24. It's a matter of execution. So I will say I was number eight fan. I, I said that earlier. It was number eight and I, for the reasons I mentioned to you earlier, um, that he improved the game year after year after year. And he was a three-time champion with number eight. He was hungry, as you mentioned. Had a lot to prove. He was just grittier, had more dog. <laughs> number eight was a oof. number eight was a monster. However, number twenty four, he still had something to prove. He was pro- trying to prove that he can win without Shaq. So that brought on a certain, you know, he wanted to go on that scoring barrage. Once he got, once he had that scoring barrage out of him, now he wanted to prove that he could be a, a, a better teammate. I think he wanted to show kind of a little bit more of. Uh, a team aspect that he can lead the team to winning. And so I did – I was happy that he did get number four. Number five, it didn't matter to me, but I was happy that he did get number four. four. So, I again, to answer my own question, I think number eight was a was a better guy. But number 24 did have something to prove, and he was still playing with uh, that ruckus and that, that fire in his belly. So let's take a little break right here, Mr. Cleveland. And we, as I stated, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the NFL, the Super Bowl, and then we'll circle back around Kobe and we'll have a few more comments about Kobe. But let's talk about the Super Bowl when we come back for this break, sir. <laughs> All right, fans, welcome back to Voice of the Fans. It is week 73. 
We got Super Bowl right around the corner, Cleveland. Before we talk about the game and give our predictions, let's talk about some favorite Super Bowl dishes. What is mandatory at your Super Bowl party? Nachos, nachos and guacamole, some ribs, some chicken wings, finger sandwiches. What's what's mandatory at your party? Uh, mandatory are some chips with the seven-layer dip. Uh, nachos come in a very close second. And as you kind of ascend, you know, to the top of kind of like the preference, it becomes wings and then ribs. If you have ribs, wow, you, you, you really went all out. You know, you, you know what, you know how to really throw a party kind of thing. You know, you're, you're sparing no expense. But at the very least, I got to have the seven layer. So seven layer dip is what he's saying. Okay. All right. At the very least. I mean, if, if there's seven layer dip, that's like, wow, that's kind of, that's kind of wow. Yeah. If there's no seven layer, you, you're going <laughs> to, you're going to be looking for, Calling people looking for uh, another place to enjoy the game. Is that what you're saying? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. I mean, depending on the company I'm in, then, uh, yeah, you definitely get a, you know, a strike in the negative column uh, for that. Okay. Now, uh, let me ask you a question. If you go into a Super Bowl party, do you check on the arrangements and the amenities before you get to the party? Or you, do you go trusting that the amenities, that the surround sound, that the flat screen, is all that's already taken care of? Well, I'm assuming that you kind of made your decision to go to that party based on the fact that you had seen those amenities before. Um, if you're just if you're just saying, "Hey, man, yeah, I'm gonna go do your thing," then you just have to be, you know, prepared for whatever. But if it's somebody that you've known before, then you, you know you kind of already know what they're about and then you know you may say oh you know yeah you got a 30 inch uh you know the kids are that's not really where i want to watch the super bowl you know what i'm saying as po- you know as opposed to yeah i got the 16 inch in the band chain and nobody ever comes down here oh okay cool yeah i prefer that you know what i'm saying and therefore you kind of make that decision based upon your previous experiences otherwise you're just taking a gamble that his person doesn't put uh, and, well, I've done that a couple times, kind of taking a gamble on somebody who I uh, assumed, and we all know what that does, but I assumed had the adequate uh, surroundings for a Super Bowl party. And I was sadly mistaken, but I'm glad I got there early enough to say it was nice. I showed my face, and I had to go home <laughs> because it was – I needed – I mean, I need to be able to hear the game. I need to be able to see the game, and then everything else comes next. So I, I've been in that situation before, and that's kind of why I asked that. Um, so is your best place, is your preferred place to watch the game at someone's man cave with, uh, with others at home or at a sports bar? You know, it depends on who the – I thought about this question pretty, uh, pretty in-depth, actually. And it really comes down to who the participants are. If I, you know, if my Hawks are in the Super Bowl, yeah, it's got to be a room full of Hawks. I'm not trying to be in a room full of indifferent people and you know, giving me all these conspiracy theories as to why the other team's going to watch the game. It's just going to make me mad. And again, they have to have those amenities that we before mentioned. You know, the, the great big TV and you know the, the good spread in order for me to do that. If it's just some, you know, two teams I don't really care who wins. This is how you know, the season's shake, you know, shaking out. And that's where I'm a little bit more, you know, lenient with, like, quote-unquote Super Bowl requirements, you know. It can be a little bit more of this, a little bit more of that, a little bit more of people that don't know what the first down is, you know, blah, 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 that kind of thing. But if it's hardcore, like, I really have a vested interest in doing the game, it needs to be at a party, you know, with, with a pack of a 12s, and I mean, you know, the, you know, the moving fans of the Seahawks. Or I just got to be at the crib, man, and just select people that come in and, you know, share the experience. Well, I, I, I feel your – I like your description there of the game. But there's no way I can watch a football game 
with people who don't know what a first down is. It's impossible. Like I will not, I will not enjoy myself. I'll be annoyed throughout the throughout the game. Now they're doing. See, okay, right, right. So, for for example, for example, the Carolina Panthers and the Denver Broncos. That's way easier to watch with that, right? If I'm watching the Chiefs and the Niners, man, you know, you have to be somewhat knowledgeable about the game because I, I care a little bit more who wins or loses. You know what I'm saying? I understand you to a point. That Super Bowl is not the game for the people who don't know what a first down is. That I don't need to be in a room with those people. The Super Bowl is the most is the most game for that because it brings out the most novice of fans watching a football game. If you're watching the, the, the Lions and the uh, and the Jaguars in Week Eight, that's not bringing out just anybody, right? You got to be really into the game to watch that game. But the Super Bowl, I mean, it's just an excuse to have a big party, right? So you're going to get some people in there that are like that, and that's the party I'm not going to be at. I'm not trying to be at that party with the people who don't know what the first down is, unless they're entertaining. But let me clarify. Unless they're the okay. entertaining on the side, uh, that the, the, the ribs. So, so, the, so the ribs and the and the lobster sandwiches. You're cool with that, right? The ribs and the lobster sandwiches. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so then, so some person walking around don't know what the first down is. Not quite as annoying, right? <laughs> if if you if you don't care who's gonna win or lose, I mean, again, if it's the Carolina Panthers against the Denver Broncos, wow, I'm I mean, I'm just a, you know an interested observer. I'm just a fan of the game. But who really wins or loses, you don't really care, right? Well, I mean, my Dolphins haven't been in the Super Bowl in quite a while, so it's it's been a long time since I've had uh, uh, a yeah. The Dolphins haven't been in the Super Bowl since you were wearing underwear, so. Again, hasn't been in the Super Bowl for quite a while. <laughs> so it's been a long time since I had a vested interest in the game. However, whoever's playing, I want to watch the game. I'm going to be into the game. Whoever, It doesn't matter whoever's playing. The, the Carolina Panthers versus the, the Broncos, I wanted to see the game nonetheless. And when the person at the end of the couch is talking about what is the first down or why, why did he – um, why is he dancing when he runs across the line there? Like, again, get her out the room. Get her, them out the room. Unless they come back with some. Lobster sandwiches and, uh, and, and ribs, yeah. Yeah. And, okay. Unless they come back with something and just doing some entertainment, I'm, I'm, uh, that, that'd be the only way I'm good with that. But so, to answer your party, so I'll say I'm trying, and kind of why this is coming up, because I'm trying something different. Um, this year, uh, probably going to a networking event, and I'm not quite sure what the scenery is going to be like. I'm not quite sure of this. I don't know. Having I just met this person a couple of weeks ago, um, and not quite sure what the scenery is going to be like. However, um, because of the, because of what I'm working on, I think it is going to be a good time to kind of hobnob, and I'm so I'm sacrificing my Super Bowl entertainment to try to come to do some network and see what's going to go on. I'm confident that they have the the correct amenities, but I'm just not positive. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to go early. I'll be and, 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 and that's, that's cut you off here, but, but one of the key red flags you want to look at is how they handle the remote. That also makes a, a, a huge difference. Oh, no, no, no. Ever been to somebody's house where they have the remote? And they turn away from the game, and no, they no, turn no. back really late. No, or no. it's like, oh yeah, the game, the game is coming on. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're gonna get to it, but we got to watch the end of this. And it's like, wait, whoa. No, 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 no. The, the remote needs to be locked. There is no need for the remote on a Super Bowl Sunday. You turn it to channel. But you're at, but 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 you're at someone else's party, and hey, man, they have the scepter, man. You know. That, that I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's one of those. Telltale clues, man. Like, oh, okay, this guy doesn't know how to use a remote. That's like, it's wrong. That, that is okay. a, that is definitely Why a, have they turned back to the game? That's weird. Okay. That, Maybe that, I shouldn't be watching the game. That, that is definitely a downer. And so the, the house where I'm going is a DJ. It's a, it's a DJ's 
Okay. And I let you down on that one. I let you down on that one. Can't throw me a curveball. Knock out the front. Good job. Okay, the next one is will who will be mentioned first? Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, or Steve Young? How do you have I have Joe Montana. I think that was so very simple. As to this point. Okay, the question, the question, and if I may interrupt, the question is a tad bit ambiguous because you'll be doing, you know, pregame shows at nauseum. Okay. Well, and no, once no, the game starts, no, no, you no, have no. to go, you have to go through all of the grades on both sides. So on the, on the, on the chief side, they're going to, they're going to straight go to Lynn Dawson if they can bring it out. They can find Lynn Dawson, they're going to bring him out. When they go to the Niners side, they have to go from, you know, third or second to the guy. So Steve Young gets mentioned before Joe Montana because at the end, you got to have that finale, and it's got to be four times, two Joe Montana, Joe Montana, who played the ball team. I mean, he's got to go last. I mean, that's nice, nice try. Nice try. But that's, like, you just that's, like, that's like starting the show. That's like starting the show with Dub City Nash Circle and, uh, you know, Stu Parkway. You know, who's going to go first? Um, so you just you, you just uh, pick my pick my mind a little bit here. Joe Montana played for both of these teams. Yes, he did. In a sense, this is a Joe Montana bowl, if you will. So with him have playing for, played for both teams, and we're only talking about when we say this, who they're going to mention. We're not talking about the pregame show. We're talking about kickoff to the final the final whistle. We're not talking about. I'm not talking about the whole pregame show on on all that because no doubt all three of these guys will be in the building. But they're going to reference the only guy that don't one of these three to play for both teams is Joe Montana. The best quarterback in Niners history is Joe Montana. So those two reasons right there that they're going to reference him. Um, Garoppolo is more Montana than he is Steve Young. So I think that's an easy, another easy point for me where Jerry, um, Jerry Rice, he might, he, he'll get mentioned if somehow Garoppolo throws for 300 yards. So the receiver, there'll be a receiver that has a big game somehow, and then he'll get mentioned with Jerry Rice somehow. But Montana definitely get mentioned before Steve Young. Mm-hmm. I got some interesting we get a little bit more tricky here. Will the first score be a touchdown or a field goal? Field goal. I, we both have field goals. I think, you know, somebody early in the game is going to kick a field goal before they get, get an end zone. That's the first score. So that will be interesting to see how it goes. One is minus 180 for the TD, minus 160 for the touchdown. And could you, when you sit – when you see these uh, minus 180 and plus 160, explain to the betters, Mr. Cleveland, since I know you're an avid better gambler, uncut gym, if you will. Explain to the betters that are listening, exactly, or the non-betters that are listening, exactly what the minus 180 and the plus 160 means. Sure. So what they're saying is that you're going to have to put up the, uh, depending on which team that you're betting on, the team that is more likely to do that you're going to have to wager more money in order to get to that $100 threshold. So if you're betting the, the one the minus 180, you have to bet the 180 to get the 100. If you're betting the plus 160, then you have to bet the 60 to get the 100. Because it's, it's the, uh, it's the plus 60 over. Okay. Um, in this game, we have uh, the next prop bet we have. Is will a sack or TD happen? Excuse me, excuse me, I read that wrong. Which will happen first, a sack or a TD? Um, I have a sack happening first. A sack is, I think, is going to probably force a, a field goal. It's just in football logic. And you have a touchdown happening first. <clears throat> is that correct? I do. Uh, I think that... Uh... Mahomes is going to have some more pressure, but he'll be able to kind of you know, throw the ball away. Um, I'm really kind of feeling a special teams 
uh, touchdown kind of set this game off, really, before, before a sack. I, I feel uh, they're not really quite sure what to do with Nico Hardman. Uh, and, you know, the 49ers do some tricky things on uh, those special teams as well. So I think that's going to kind of tilt which way the game goes, but definitely touchdown before a sack. Okay. And the team to commit the first turnover, I have the San Francisco 49ers, one, minus 125 to the KC Chiefs, plus 105. Yeah, I think it's uh, more likely than not that, uh, you know, Mahomes may be a little bit behind the receiver and ball gets tipped or, you know, it's just trying to, uh, you know, see what he can do and you know, try to do a little bit too much. And, you know, I think it's going to get the first pick. Okay. Having the confidence to, to kind of overcome that as the game wears on, but uh, definitely just the mere fact he's going to throw the ball more often. Okay, that's that's a that's a fair bet. I got a, I got the San Francisco turning the ball, committing the first turnover, um, whether it's a fumble, whether it's an interception, fumble on a, a special team play. I, I just had the Niners giving us the first turnover. Largest lead of the game. Thirteen point five. Will that go over or under the largest lead of the game? And I don't see. Although I expect Kansas City to win fairly convincingly, I'll give you our scores here shortly. I expect. I don't expect it to be a fourteen point game or a fourteen point lead in the game. And you do apparently. Blowout. Blowout. He says. Blowout. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm killing 47-28. Okay. And the team with the first sack, I already said it's going to be a sack before the team, uh, touchdown. The team with the first sack, San Francisco or KC, I have KC, Frank Clark, ex-Seattle Seahawk, getting the first sack. And you have San Francisco. In the first sack. Correct. I think I think uh, you know eventually um, they'll they'll have a, an opportunity to get to him. I think the Niners are really going to try to establish a run game early, um, and the passes that they're going to throw um, until they get down by a few you know touchdowns um, are going to be you know uh, checkoffs or checkdowns. So okay, <laughs> okay. I don't think, think the opportunity to sack is going to be uh, on the uh, either side of the ball. Okay. That's good logic there. And then last team to score, um, San Francisco or KC, we both have San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to be playing catch-up in the fourth quarter, and, yes, they're going to get in the end zone. Sounds like you agree with me there. Yeah, that's exactly the sound logic that I went with, Cam. Okay. Now, well, that's good sound logic right there, buddy. I don't say to get the, a chance to say that so often with you. That's <laughs> nice. Nice dude. Appreciate it. Um, okay, there's one more game left outside of our prop bets, which is going to give me a significant boost in the ratings here. Um, after last week, Cleveland, two games against the spread, I was two games, one, both games, actually, um, as you did. I had two games against the spread to your one against the spread. So I kind of leapfrogged you by a point there and the points against the spread on the season. Um, Wait, they, what happened? What? Points against the spread, yeah, leapfrog. Yeah, leapfrog. You see, you, look, you see the numbers, man. Come on. You see the numbers. Um, wow. Just by a point there. And then – you know, held on to my to my lead for the season against the season. Points sixty two percent picks correct to fifty nine percent. Now let's look into some added numbers as we continue to crunch the numbers here. Playoff bets is um, we're, we're tied in the playoff bets. Or playoff point total. We're tied there, so good work out of you for hanging tough. Um, but again, my prop bets is going to significantly, excuse me, we're not tied for the playoff games. There's been 11 total playoff games. 
Um, I got nine corrects. Or excuse me, you got nine corrects. Got eleven corrects. Total play games in eleven. We each got six corrects for points against the spread. Is what I'm saying. Nine total games with picks. I got five to four. So I watched that right there. Sorry, fans. Okay. And fans, I'm gonna get my uh, forensic accountant to come in and kind of take uh, a closer look at these uh, numbers, but it's an awful close considering you know the way I pick these games. It's been it's been fairly close. Again, my pick against the spread is going to shatter you for the season, bro, and it erases it any doubt. So let's take okay, a look. Okay, well, no, 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 no problem. My uh, my guy's going to take a look. Yeah, yeah, please do, and um, have them send me any corrections. So there'll probably be a, a bunch of doing a bunch of work for nothing. Fans, we're going to take a, a break here. We're going to come back and again wrap up the show. Before we do that, we're going to give you our history, talk about the NBA, and then we have, we're going to end it with a quote. Thank you guys for tuning in. Let's take a break. Welcome back to the last segment of Voice of the Fans podcast. Again, this is week 73, January 29. Back on this date in history, actually is this week in history, 1787, Philadelphia organized the Free Africa Society. Back in Philadelphia, that was organized on 128. Also, 1872 on this date in history, Francis L. Cardoza, elected state treasurer of South Carolina, first black person to hold that title. And then on 1858, actually January 30th, William Wells purchased the first black drama, Leap to Freedom, back in 1858. So there's your black history things that went on this week in black history. Go grab that book, Leap to Freedom. Cleveland, usually at this point we talk about the NBA, kind of what the goings on. Tonight we have Victor Oladipo returning. We would probably talk about Zion and his return. I think he's four games in now, looking pretty solid, aggressive down low. And reminiscent of the Charles Barkley with a little bit more athleticism. I was thinking Larry Johnson, but he's uh, more explosive than Larry Johnson, and Larry Johnson had a more refined game. But this guy's looking like uh, Charles Barkley with a little bit more explosive, a lot more explosiveness. Would you Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, definitely uh, a lot more explosiveness than Charles Barkley. And uh, you know, his first game in, you know, hitting those uh, full, you know, three pointers in a row was pretty uh, extraordinary. He already showed he can kind of stretch the court, and then. Uh, you know, his volleyball block that second game kind of showed you that, you know, he basically is, a, you know, jumping off the floor like a trampoline. So, you know, the future's bright for him. Yeah, the future is bright. Let's talk about somebody who has had a bright future. That's Kobe Bryant. The teams in the league, they have done some pretty nice tributes, touching tributes around the league, and I think it continued tonight with the Nets doing uh, the 24-second deal. We had The next guard changing his number, having a brain fart with the big, with the big OT. I'm having a brain fart. Right? Oh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie changed his number. Changed his number. So, what has been your, some of your favorite tributes thus far? Um, this unfortunate accident happened. When we talk about this, it's still kind of unbelievable. Even though I got a chance to talk to this guy, now it's looking like that was talking to a ghost almost a few weeks ago. Not even a few weeks ago, two weeks ago. What's been your uh, favorite tribute? Um, I think the one in Connecticut where they, uh, you know, kind of uh, made a special tribute to, uh, you know, Kobe's daughter, Jana, not even, uh, you know, of, of college age at this point, but already, you know, kind of ingratiating herself to the Utah way of life, so to speak. So 
fact that he hit those guys that hard was uh, kind of shocking. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, kind of like they um, show in high school games on TV. They're getting, giving this girl a lot of praise, and who knows what she would actually grow up doing, but her heart was definitely to follow her dad um, from some of the comments that she made. So that was kind of a touching tribute, you're right. The eight-second violation, that was a good one. I think the 24 shot clock violation was even better um, that the players and the coaches kind of uh, have done on their own. It'd be interesting to see what the Clippers actually do, what the Lakers actually do. It'd be interesting to see that since they didn't play on Tuesday, what the Lakers end up doing on Friday. And speaking of them not playing on Tuesday. Did you agree with the NBA postponing the game? The Clippers and Lakers were scheduled to play on Tuesday night. As of Sunday morning, you know, talked to this with a couple of people. I was not going to go to Tuesday's game. And, you know, not that I have no interest, but I just wasn't planning on going to the game Tuesday night. But when you heard about the incident, I thought it would be a big. Um, I thought it would be a big game, a chance for the city, for the Lakers and the Clippers to kind of come together. It was going to be a Laker uh, home game, so it would have been all Laker fans in the in the house. I thought it would have been a good chance for them to kind of all cry together and then all kind of let it out together in one game. Now, I, I do understand that the game, we kind of wouldn't – I could have seen the game going either way. A blowout for the Clippers because the Lakers weren't – Heads probably weren't head and hearts probably weren't in the game 100 percent, or I could have seen it gone the other way where the Lakers were playing on this emotional level that you just couldn't compete with that they ended up blowing the Clippers out. I could see both scenarios, but nonetheless, I believe they should have played the game. Your thoughts on that, sir? Uh, honestly, I thought it was a little bit too soon. Um, with regards to the presence that Kobe had in L.A. and the significance of his passing uh, throughout the Lakers organization and even, you know, you know, Doc Rivers being one of the first to come out, you know, kind of almost beside himself with, uh, with grief. Um, um, I understand that, you know, kind of all of the moving parts and logistics of trying to reschedule a game um, in some of these giant arenas, I think people tend to think that you know, it's just those teams that play in them, and that's all they do there, but that's, you know, far from the case. So, you know, from a business standpoint, um, and also, like you're saying, from a closing uh, standpoint, probably that would have been ideal, but I just don't think that the players or either organization was really ready to kind of, you know, play an L.A. versus L.A. team two days after, you know, the passing of the prodigal son. Yeah, it would have been an emotional game. It's going to be an emotional game either way. Even whenever they decide to actually play that game, it's going to be emotional because now we're going to know, okay, well, they postponed the game a month ago because it was so fresh on people's minds what happened, and that's just going to kind of um, stir up those emotions all over again. So it's going to be an emotional game whenever they play the game. And then this year, I mean, they have to play the game because – it's not like they're playing the Suns or the Kings or the Wizards where there's no uh, factor in the playoff running. They're, that game is going to be mean a lot for seedings, mean a lot for city pride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a game that's going to have to be played. And it's going to be kind of difficult for the league to fit this game in here considering the schedule set. And another reason I think that's it. Um, you're a Laker fan. Admittedly, so how would you like? How would you, as a fan, like to see the the Lakers commemorate and honor Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant? Um, the Laker organization, in and of itself, I don't think there's a lot more that they can do. Um, they've already retired eight and twenty-four, and there is already a statue. So, as far as other accolades, I think they've kind of. <clears throat> maxed out on that. Um, the, the best way they can honor him is continue to uh, recruit and promote the Mamba mentality because um, that's the way he would have wanted it. So continue to be a successful franchise that wins championships and, uh, you know, free agents want to uh, want to eventually become a part of. 
I don't think there's a chick current court. I don't think there's a chick current court. I could be wrong. I believe there's a chick current way in front of Staples Center. Should they name them? There's all week long, and again, another reason that I thought they should have played the game if they just continue to draw draw this malaise out. I mean, we hear we heard everything from they should name the stadium to Kobe Center, give them another statue, separate from everybody else's. Um, Naming the floor after him might be a good touch. Kobe floor, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Kobe floor inside of Staples Center, something to that effect. Um, because he, left, he did leave it all out there, as you mentioned earlier, with the walking off the court with the Achilles ankles tearing. So, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's a little bit easier to do in college when you name it after coaches or players. Um, when you get to the NBA, I mean sponsorship, so that would be a little bit more of a challenge. Again, I, I think that they rewarded and, you know, um, embraced and um, embodied what Kobe was about, you know, quite a bit before his passing, so um, anything else they can do would be kind of difficult. You know, Kobe Bryant Parkway, you know, sure, you know, would have no problem with that, but uh, you, would be, you would be almost trying to just, you know, it would be a little bit overkill trying to do more than they've already done prior to his passing, I think. Interesting, interesting. So no so so what do you expect what kind of ceremony do you expect with that being said? I'm sorry? What kind of ceremony would you expect if and we're not gonna retire the jerseys that we've already retired? If we're not gonna name a quarter after him, and we're not gonna unveil a new statue, what kind of ceremony are we waiting for? You didn't want him to play on, on Tuesday. what what do you have in mind? They bring out, you know, every, you know, living Laker legend. Um, they dig a little bit deeper, you know. I don't know if it's something that, you know, you know, the king, you know, Michael Jordan would, you know, come down from Battle Olympus to, you know, put his stamp on. But other than that, I mean, what else can you do? Everybody that's anybody uh, will be in the building when it happens. And um, from an organizational first, you know, standpoint, that's that's really all that you can do. I mean, anybody that was ever anybody for the Lakers will be there, and you know they'll anoint the you know the greatest of the greats to kind of you know give their few minutes of condolences and Toby memories, and you know, LeBron will come out and have a, a huge game. Okay, this is uh, uh this is the last time I'm, uh, I'll mention that I think they should have played the game on on Tuesday. One last reason I think they should have played the game on Tuesday is because Jerry West was in, would have been in the building. Jerry West, the guy who actually recruit, identified, recruited, and ensured that Kobe Bryant made it to the Lakers, was in the building. That would have been an awesome opportunity for him as well as your Lakers dignitaries to kind of pay homage to Kobe Bryant. But that, I'm not going to say mention it again. That would have been another good reason. Should the NBA do anything special to commemorate Kobe Bryant outside of the All-Star? We already know that they're going to be do something for the All-Star coming up less than a three. We already know they're going to have something special going on there. Should the NBA do something special for Kobe Bryant? And if so, what should they do? As a Kobe Bryant fan, um, I don't think they necessarily need to retire the number eight or and or number twenty four. And I've heard some speculation about you know changing the logo to his silhouette. I don't think they need to do that either. Um, other than the tribute that they're going to do and you know honor his memory and legacy, and you know again you know, induct him into the Hall of Fame, you know after his passing, then I think that's as much as they're going to do. Well, so for a Laker fan, you you sure are pretty heartless. You don't want to name the court after him. You don't want to name the stadium after him. You don't want to give him a, a statue immediately. You don't want the. You don't want them to change the logo. What kind of Laker fan are you? I beg your pardon. He already has a statue of himself. So, what more can you? You can't. You can't. You can't add another statue. That's 
you know, that's a little bit over the top. I don't think there's a statue out there. But yet. the members, the members are already retired in table chair, so no one was going to wear those numbers anyway. There's corporate sponsorship that pays, you know, tens of millions of dollars to name the court, so you can't do that. So oh, I don't know. If, you're, I don't you're doing you're doing as much as you can do that hasn't already been done. I don't know that the courts have been named. I, I'll look into that. I don't know that the court has has a name. The Staples Center, obviously, we know Staples. And I, I think yeah, it says it says it says Staples Center on it. No, not, not the not the stadium. I was talking about the court specifically. Like, yeah, Kobe, the court says Staples Center on it. it has Watch, I'm watching the game right now. The, the Portland Trail Blazers court is a Motor Center on it. No, no, okay, okay. Obviously, they're highlighting the the name of. That's not the name of the court. That's the name of the building. That's the name of the building. Like no, nope, nope. there's there's no professional NBA basketball team that has a name of the court. And that's what that's my point. I know for I know for certain that Lisa Leslie has the WNBA, the the LA Sparks. They play on Lisa Leslie Court. Okay. Know, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that. That doesn't happen in the NBA. Again. Courts, courts would have been named a long time ago. Are you telling me that Chicago would have named it Michael Jordan Court if they couldn't do that? I'm just telling you. I'm just saying. That I'm just. I'm just saying. I know for for a fact, and it surprised me. I'm standing. I'm standing in the corner of the court, right in front of where the um, uh, Sparks play, and I look down and I see the writing, and I didn't know what it was. I was like looking at it, and I was like, "Oh, Lisa Leslie Court." Oh, wow! Blew, blew me away. I didn't know they named the court after Lisa Leslie. I didn't know that till last season. So, very possibly, I mean, like, as you mentioned, the, the, a statue in the works. I don't know that there's a statue already built, but there's a statue in the works. They re- a statue in the works of where? Huh? They're, they already have a Kobe Bryant statue. Okay. They make another Kobe Bryant statue? I don't think they have a Kobe Bryant statue. I'm almost okay. certain. Fans will if, they, if, they don't, if, they don't, if they don't have one, then yes, absolutely make a statue. But I thought he already had one. So to your point, if he doesn't have one, then most I, definitely give him a statue. I, I'll tell you, I'll be down there tomorrow. The Clippers have a game tomorrow. I'll be down there. I'll, I'll confirm. I'm almost certain they do not have a Kobe Bryant statue. I'm almost so they they have a Shaquille O'Neal statue, but they don't have a Kobe Bryant statue. Of course, yeah, yeah. Shaquille hasn't played for the Lakers in a long time. Yes, they they, they introduced that a long time ago. Um. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll confirm on that. The court—I don't know if there's another been another court name, but just as a Lakers fan, man, you just don't—you don't want to do anything for them. That's interesting. That's, that's, that's interesting. What do you think they should do in the All Star game? You don't like the number eight versus number twenty-four. You don't like that either, huh? No, I'm personally okay with that in the All Star game. That's fantastic. Hmm. So the eight, the eight versus the twenty-four is yeah, that's cool. So like they have Jackie Do I think Robinson. they should retire the number eight and the number twenty four forever? I don't know about that. I mean, the Cuban already done, Cuban's already done it. Some players are switching their numbers so they don't wear that. Double. Like Mo Harkless is not wearing number eight here, and for the Clippers, he changed his number to eleven. But that's interesting. Should they have a, a Kobe Bryant day where on this day? January, what was it, 25 or 26, excuse me, everybody wears number 8 or number 24. Should, should that happen? Oh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot to, to take in the door. I don't know if I have a, a answer for that. Okay, I mean, I'm just I'm just spitballing. I'm trying to give I'm trying to give the Laker fans some ideas of how to commemorate one of his guys. But obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning your Laker uh, your your Laker fandom here because you can't seem to want to do anything. That's interesting. Nonetheless, Cleveland, we we kind of went, went way long on this man. Um, it's still heavy hearts down here in Los Angeles for Mr. Kobe Bean Bryant. Um, my condolences to the family, Vanessa. I mean, she she just came out with her first words uh, today since the incident happened Sunday morning. So. Um, my condolences to her. My condolences to all the other families. It's um, Atabelli, the Chesters, the Mauser, all them involved in the pilot as well, involved in the incident. God bless them. 
Um, bless all you Laker fans, such as yourself, Cleveland. And I'm going to give you this quote. Or would you care? Do you have a quote for us, sir? No, you go right ahead, sir. Great things come from hard work and perseverance. No excuses. Simply stated by Mr. Kobe Bryant. He, that is the moment mentality in, in a nutshell. As always, fans, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to Voice of the Fans podcast. I am your man, Cam. My man, Cleveland, is with me as, as always. Thank you guys for giving your time, sharing the word, spreading the, spreading the word of Voice of the Fans podcast. Once again, be sure to pres- uh, subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It really helps affects our standings. We appreciate it. And then, as always, thank you guys for making our voice your choice. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Uh, the people at What's Good the Sports want to want to talk to you, talk to the fans, and make sure you guys tune into the website. Every Cleveland, have you seen the What's Good the Sports website? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. Lots of uh, positive stories and lots of great content. Um, the people they told me uh, personally, make sure you guys go visit the website. So please, when you get a chance after the show, check out the What's Good in, What's Good in Sports dot com website. Thanks for making our voice your choice.